0: radioinfluence. Welcome into the midweek edition of the mma Report Podcast. I'm Jason Floyd. Of course, that is Daniel Galvon. Appreciate taking time out of your day download and listen to this episode of the podcast, whether you're listening to it on the podcasting platforms. If you're listening to podcasting platforms, Uh, Rate, review, subscribe really does help us out a lot. Or if you're watching this show on YouTube, be sure to smash that thumbs up button. That really does help the algorithm out as I really just look at that TikTok algorithm every day and going, good Lord, TikTok, are you just literally, uh, you know, just watching my phone know what exactly is going on in my life? But uh, Daniel, we're here on a uh, recording. This here on a Tuesday evening. I was in Tallahassee this past weekend. And, you know, Daniel, um, there's something I've realized. First off, we go to this area called, called college towns where all the bar you know, the bars are at right by by Dope Campbell Stadium. First bar I walk into, I go, Fuck, I feel old.
1: Yeah. Time is a cruel, cruel mistress, man. It and yeah, going to a college town, even me, you know, I'm still in my twenties, but I would still kind of feel like the person who graduated high school coming back a year later. It's just if you're not in your early twenties, bro, then why are you even there? But you're there so you can buy around for people and, and out drink everyone and maybe even beat them in some darts. Did you at least have a good time?
0: Oh, I had a great time. I was up there for my niece's twenty first birthday. She's actually graduating from FSU uh, here in two weeks. I'm actually I'll be back. I'll be back in Tallahassee. I'll cinco week weekend. So that ought to be fun.
1: <laughs> cinco de Drinco, as the kids say. Yeah, yeah. that'll be. That'll be a lot of fun, and uh, shout out to your liver for working overtime this past uh, these you know over a four week period.
0: Yeah, yeah, I went out last night, and you know, as the lightning blew that game last night, but uh, but yeah, man, you know, the other thing I, I noticed, my, my big takeaway is uh, the young people, the the young fellas out there, they're wearing like John Stockton shorts at this point.
1: Oh, it's the chubbies, the the high ri- the high shorts is what's cool. <laughs> yeah, apparently that's. Okay.
0: what I'm like. Yeah, no, I would not be rocking that. Uh, no, no.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I don't love my legs. They're 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 meant to be hidden. I'm a pants type of man. Not even shorts. I don't even do shorts. But yeah, the high shorts is not my style. But I do see these cool cats go at it. But you know, we host MMA podcasts. We don't know fashion, right? Uh, Who's love, the most yeah. fashionable person in the MMA world? I mean, who? Look, look uh, when, when, when it show? comes
0: when it comes to my fashion, it's literally jeans and a polo shirt and and tennis <laughs> shoes. I mean that that's pretty much uh, that, that's my fashion. But you know, I was over at the MMA Reddit earlier today, Uh-oh. and um, you know, there's one headline that really stuck out to me over on the MMA Reddit that made me just go, "What world are we living in?" Mark Coleman has agreed to slap fight with Tim Sylvia.
1: It's a world that I don't want to be a part of. What the hell, Jason? What the hell? Can you provide more details? Where is this happening? Why is this happening? How old is Mark Coleman? How old is Tim Sylvia?
0: Well, Mark Coleman is 58 years old because the headline said that. So Tim Sylvia had a slap fighting. I saw the video of it. Tim is, uh, he's not missed any meals. Let's just say that. And uh, and then of course I also saw when we're talking about uh, we'll talk about the, we talking about the Dana White version of power slap. Uh, yeah, multiple uh, of those uh, competitors uh, received a suspension for uh, PEDs.
1: Oh my gosh! They were like, "Oh, this is a new sport I can cheat." Um, Mark Coleman's fifty eight. He shouldn't be slap fighting, Jason. Like, I, I, so like what? What's the details? Like, is, like bro, where bro, is, is this going to happen?
0: I, I, I didn't go that deep dive into the article. Let
1: me, let me But go uh but yeah. Oh, he's teasing a slap fight. This better not happen. Oh my god. Is that Tim Sylvia?
0: Yes, that's Tim Sylvia. I remember when oh Tim Oh my
1: god. He looks I, like Kevin Owens. Dude, he's he's a big boy, man. He's a big boy. He looks like a different It looks like he's like a, a different alternate universe version of tim Sylvia that like goes crawfishing um he actually looks younger now than he did like when he was fighting in affliction i think mm-hmm. but uh yeah will i be watching mark coleman and tim Sylvia? no i won't be watching i feel like i would be participating in like you know some type of crime because again i think once you hit 40 years old you probably shouldn't be doing slap fighting and there's just too much guaranteed damage to your brain oh
0: no doubt about it uh the other thing i saw which was kind of interesting it came from the spinning backfist twitter handle uh, Kelvin Gassum did an interview and apparently he's planning to return to Welterweight, which would be interesting. You know, we all, I mean, anyone who's been around the sport for a while, we all remember the the issues that Kelvin had in, in making 171 pounds or 170 if it's a if it's a tile fight situation. But uh, you know, if he can make this as, as a healthy move, I, I love the move for Kelvin because to me, 170 is the most efficient weight class for him in terms of you know making his way up the rankings i mean if there was a 175 pound weight class it would be perfect for kelvin Gastelum.
1: yeah i think it would be great for him he really had a lot of struggles with that weight class so i hope it works out for kelvin but if you had to ask me do i think he's going to make weight every single time he fights at 170 i'm not going to say yes The track record just isn't there, and I'm worried about that happening. But if he's able to, that's probably the one thing that could help him go on a really great run. We saw him in his last fight fight pretty well. It was kind of a return to form for Kelvin. But you still compare and contrast Kelvin Gaslam with Aden Sanya, uh, Whitaker, Kananir, Drakus. You can't really talk yourself into him becoming a middleweight champion. At welterweight it does appear to be a whole different ball game. But for Kelvin, as he's kind of in the second part of his career, he's got to really make sure that this weight cut does not drain his abilities. And to be frank, because of his history, I don't think that's going to be the case.
0: By the way, I don't know if you uh, you saw this. Speaking of middleweight, so Dana White, uh, what was it, Sun, Saturday, Sunday, announced that Whitaker and Drake's 2 Plus C's are going to take place at UFC 290. Did you happen to see... What Israel Anasanya tweeted?
1: What did he tweet?
0: So he quote tweeted Duplessis tweet, which uh, it said, uh, so you say I haven't earned my title shot yet. Hold hold my beer. Watch this. And Izzy quote tweets. It says, please win.
1: Oh, my gosh. That is a fight I want to see. These two dudes hate each other. I don't think Drake is going to be able to get past Whitaker, to be honest with you. I mean, that's not a bold take, right? Anyone that saw his last fight saw that. He's got plenty of holes, right? And the guy he just fought didn't perform too well this past Saturday. So it it would be a stretch. But the thing about Drikas, the man hits really hard. He does have lights out power. And he is going up against the Max Holloway of 185 and uh, Robert Whitaker, who is now to me... A guy who's kind of like an uncrowned championship level fighter that's kind of going to be on the peripheral because we've already seen him square off with Izzy so many times. But yeah, uh, yeah Aden Insanya is—he uh, he went to Brandon Roy Val's school of social media with that one.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's, uh, I was listening to somebody else and they, they were talking about the middleweight division and, you know, and, and Izzy becoming the champion once again kind of becomes a little bit of a problem for the UFC in terms of matchmaking because he's already fought everybody in the top five, so Duplassis is that one guy. There's a little bit of a story there. You know, the, the one thing about Drakus is we've seen that cardio has not been good, but apparently getting his nose fixed to, to help uh, get more oxygen. I once, I saw articles like, I think he's only going to get like 8% oxygen in the nose or some some crazy thing, you know, someone Way smarter than me, but uh, but yeah. When I saw that Izzy tweet, I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah that that's uh that's spot on."
1: Yeah, those two gotta fight, don't they? I mean, it, it would be an epic trash talk situation. I just uh, I think we might have to wait for that one because again, I just I don't see how he gets past Whitaker. I really don't. I I would be shocked, genuinely. I would be shocked to drink his beast, Robert Whitaker.
0: Yeah, I. I... I just don't see that one happen, but UFC 290 is is shaping up to be a great card. Uh, uh, yeah. Also, a report did come out about the passing away of Stefan Bonner. The report is that he passed away from an accidental fentanyl drug overdose. So uh, I, I saw that that pop over there. Of course, um, I would tell you actually I started working with a new podcast a couple of weeks ago, and they actually uh, they did an interview with Gray Maynard, and, and Gray was you know talking about what he remembered about Stefan Bonner and. You a sad, a sad story to hear, and there's really no no good way to transition out of this story. But uh, we did have a crap ton. A mixed martial arts action last week. Bellator 294 on Friday. Then, of course, on Saturday, we had UFC Vegas 71 and Bellator 295. And, boy, patchy mix, man. We, we talked about last week of what is that best fight of the week, best MMA fight of the weekend. I think if you said best fight of the weekend, everyone was going to say, you know, uh, Davis and Garcia. But in terms of MMA, we talked about that was the matchup. And if you would have told me that there was going to be a highlight reel knockout in patchy mix and rafael stots. i don't think i would have said it had been patchy mix but scott coker was talking about after the fact that he said that uh put um patchy Mix's manager show him a video where this was a technique that he had been working on all camp and man what a performance and uh Good to be patchy mix right now. get that big million dollar check and uh, now sets himself potentially up for And I got to love the brutal honesty for him going, yeah, I hope Patricio wins.
1: Yeah, that was a nice answer for him. And look, there was, I believe, 407 mixed martial arts fights this weekend. It was jam-packed, locked and loaded. But I will say, despite the fact we had a really nice moment in the UFC main event, The most memorable thing this weekend was definitely Patchy's knockout. It was just mm, chef's kiss perfection. The knee, the fall, the shocking nature of it. Dude, you know how many times Patchy Mix has knocked a dude out in a Bellator cage before this fight? Uh, Zero. He's only got one finish via strikes in his career prior to that fight. That was outside of Bellator. The idea for Mix and Stouts is Mix has got to bring this fight down to the ground. But it was just a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal game plan to implement that knee, and he hit him right on the button. It was crazy. It was also a situation where it's a win-win for Bellator because it was just a one single strike that caused a knockout. That doesn't really tell you who's the better fighter. Stouts can rebound, and get a championship opportunity and it's still going to be an exciting fight because it was just a single strike that ended that contest so that bantamweight division man it's probably to me the most exciting weight class bellator has right now and that's a that's a surprising weight class to make that statement in
0: yeah scott coker was asked essentially that type of question of like hey is bantamweight your premier division at this point point?" and I think it's hard to not say yes. I mean, when you think about in terms of depth, You know, overall division depth in Bellator, I think it's 135, 145, and 155. But when you look at this Bantamweight division that they have put together, I mean, it's a great division that Bellator has put together. And When I did my rankings this week, I really didn't have any changes um, in in terms of kind of outside, now Patchy Mix kind of taking over stats there. But, man, it is, you you just start looking at it. I I like the fact that Danny Sabatello called out Magomed Magomedov. I, I like that matchup. Um, Juan Archuleta's got a fight coming up in, in Ryzen. I think I think that's this week. I want to say.
1: Uh, okay. That the and then, damn, Archuleta's yeah, well, fighting in Ryzen.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bellator's loaning him over to Ryzen, and uh, I, no, it's not this Ryzen event. It's the Ryzen event on May the sixth.
1: Damn, and then obviously Horaguchi's a part of the mix. There's a plenty of good Ryzen fighters. Uh, yeah, he should. Oh, he's taking on Naoki in a at Ryzen 42. Um, so yeah, that's a tough fight, but the, the Patricio thing is what puts this one over the top, right? Like, Patricio is the goat in Bellator, and now we're just introducing him to this already exciting Bantamweight division. So, I, I think Bantamweight's the most exciting, especially on top. It, it just has the most interesting stuff, and because Sergio Pettis took some time away. Uh, to recover from his injury, we have a lot of top-tier fights that we don't know who's going to win. Who's going to win between Sergio and Paci, right? Who's going to win between Paci and Patricio and Patricio and Sergio? The list goes on and on. And in addition to that, the quality of the entertainment style of these guys is at a really, really high level, except for Danny Sabatello, but he is a very entertaining interviewer, which, dude, Danny almost lost that fight, okay? Mm-hmm. Danny's coming in as a favorite, and, you I mean, obviously he got the finish, but he he had a little bit of a scare early on in round one against Marcus brano who was clearly getting the better at the stand-up. But, uh, you know, Sabatello, he cut a great post-fight interview. What else is new?
0: By the way, poor Koji Horiguchi losing his fight. Ray Borg misses weight. And I don't know if you saw this. So not just did Ray Borg not only got released by Bellator, which this is just something you really don't see Scott Coker do it immediately. Not only does he get fired from Bellator, his management company cuts ties with him immediately. What happened here? So dominance MMA who, 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 was representing Ray Borg, uh, this comes from John Morgan. They they put out a statement. It says, quote, Effectively, Dominus MMA will no longer serve as represent- representation for Ray Borg. We would like to apologize to Bellator MMA, American Top Team, and Koji Horiguchi for the unprof- unprofessionalism d- uh, displayed this week that has forced us to make this decision. All parties involved did their best to make this fight happen, including the late offer to book the matchup at 135 pounds. We thank everyone involved in those efforts. Unfortunately, Mr. Borg was not willing or able to make that weight result in unnecessary complications for all involved. Given the circumstances, as well as our own embarrassment, we can no longer good faith represent our now former client, but wish him the best in his future endeavors. This is what... Okay, this is what i got going to say about this. Why did Dominance of May think they need to put out a statement letting the world know they fired Ray Bork?
1: They must have been pissed. The, something must have happened <laughs> that really pissed them off is, is the... Isn't that the only reason why people put out statements? Is because they're pissed off and they want to, you know, uh, you know, you go on Facebook and somebody's pissed off at somebody else. I mean, he must have done something really, really bad that offended them greatly and didn't want that to uh, affect their relationships with Bellator. I, I, I really want to get to the bottom of this because that's a really major adjustment that the Kyoji camp was willing to give to Borg to move up, move the fight to one thirty five, and he still wasn't ready to play ball.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, I, so I wonder what caused this. I saw an interview on, I want to say it was Friday, uh, that Coker did with, I want to say it was Matt Erickson of MMA Junkie, and it was basically, it sounds like, initially when it got moved to a catchweight of 130, then it became clear that Ray was not going to be able to make 130, and then they went to Koji Horiguchi and said, hey, would you fight him at 135? And basically Koji was like, yeah, I'll fight him at 135. He just he just wanted the fight. And, uh, but yeah, just, it's, it's, it's one of those situations of like, I get why the management company, you're pissed, but I'm like, you could probably just do this not in a public light because really, I mean, for Ray Borg, I don't know really where he goes from here at this point, but I saw that I just kind of, uh, I laughed over there. Um, you know, I think obviously the other big, I think takeaway from the Bellator events has to be about women's 125 pounds. It, It did not, you know, I would be, I would love to have been a fly on the wall. When Bellator is going to list Carmouche on Thursday about Deanna Bent not making weight, the fact that if she elected to fight, she's quote unquote defending her title. But if she loses and the title becomes vacant, we all know she goes on and gets that submission fourth round. But was well, not looking good for her in that matchup. Then her longtime training partner, friend Liam Farlin, she gets a very close split decision win and gets kind of wannabe on Saturday night, and uh, it really it sets all this up and. And Alima has talked about this for like, I feel like a year that like, this is her dream way to enter her fighting career. Even though she did say last week of, yeah, I don't know if I can believe myself that I'll actually retire, but it, it makes all the sense in the world. Um, you know, ha- to have that fight in Hawaii, it makes all the sense in the world. Scott Coker didn't that the venue they've been going to is going to go under, uh, some reconstruction. So there's another arena they can go to, but if not, you know, likely probably this fight maybe takes place in the state and I was telling you before this, I was like, you know, why, why not, if you're Bellator, why not do a fight for the troops show at a US base? You know, here in the, in the mainland and have that be the main event of that fight card.
1: Look, that'd be a, a great main event for the troops. It would be a compelling story for Liz Carmouche, and that's what she needs. She hasn't had a compelling opponent in her Bellator run. This would be a compelling opponent a great story and the troops deserve it so if they can't do it in hawaii i'm all in liz Carmouche is is pretty cool for her to still put up her championship on the line Mm -hmm. shows she's a warrior a true martial artist she didn't have to do that obviously um bennett wouldn't be able to win it but liz could have lost it and by god jason she nearly lost it against Alima lay mcfarland i mean excuse me against diana bennett bennett straight up out wrestled carmouche throughout pretty much the entire fight until carmouche was able to counter and lock on that arm triangle showing the skill of a champion but it wasn't the type of fight that really made me think oh liz carmouche is one of the best 125ers in the world mm-hmm. it just wasn't that being said, she's had performances like that before this one. That makes you think she's one of the best flyweights in the world. I think a fight against Ali Malay will offer her that opportunity. I think it's a bad matchup for Ali Malay mcfarlane I don't think Ali Malay is going to be able to go out there and wrestle with Liz. Liz will dominate that aspect of the fight. And Carmouche's stand up is getting better, even though she's having issues with kind of keeping her head just there, not really moving it. Um Looking at that watanabe Limole fight, dude, I had that one for Watanabe. Um, that was a very close fight. I got to bring this up with you. I really do not like the judging criteria. I don't. It because when you... Okay, you look at round one. Round one, two of the judges gave it to Limole. Okay, this is what I don't like about the judging criteria. This is a big conversation, but this is what I think I don't like about it. I don't like how it's so strict where if you win effective striking or effective grappling, you absolutely win the round. I think there should be more of a gray area because in round one, Alimale basically landed two combinations. Watsonabe dominated the positional aspect, but didn't do anything with it really. But that was for the majority of the fight. And I don't like the idea that because Alimale had 25 to 30 good seconds not great seconds she wins that round because she had the effect of striking I think there should be more leeway with that
0: I was listening to um Big John McCarthy's podcast a little earlier today, and, and they were talking about that matchup. And Big John, uh, he talked about he said he was like, "Hey, I talked to the the judges after a fight was over, and they just felt that uh, Alima was going for it. She was the one that was looking to potentially finish the fight, and that's why they 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 went with uh, Alima
1: to get the decision." And I just feel like that's, I don't know, I just. I, I get why that's the incentive of the scoring criteria. I just feel like when I watch that first round, I'm like, I really feel like Watanabe won that one and and I know and when I look at the criteria, I get why you score it for a Malay. I just think whenever someone tries to finish a fight for you know twenty percent of the round but loses the other eighty percent. If they don't even rock their opponent or threaten a submission, I don't necessarily think that should invalidate the 80% where the other opponent was in control. But maybe that's just because that's what I was raised on, that type of judging. That's what I was used to seeing scoring. And maybe I'm mistaken with this thought, but I, just, I, I really don't like the judging and criteria because I really do feel like we are more at a point where the application of that criteria is like, uh, I don't know. Like It just feels like so often any close round just resorts to, well, who knows what the scorecard's going to be. And we've complained about judges since the dawn of time, right? On the seventh day, God made the planet. On the eighth day, he made bad judging. But it does feel like it's a little more, I don't know what the hell's going to happen after 15 minutes than it was eight years ago.
0: Oh, I mean... I feel, I feel like this is
1: especially recently
0: that we've just had some scorecards that get submitted that we go, what fight were they watching? I mean, yeah. you think about the, the female matchup, uh, two weeks ago in the UFC card, the, the first fight of the night, you're sitting there going, what the hell were they watching?
1: Was that the Petalova fight?
0: Uh, was that the Edwards
1: with yes, Edwards- yeah, oh. Edward Spudelova. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, and and, and we see that more often, and the Alimale fight isn't that, right? In fact, they probably scored it correctly looking at the criteria, but we do get more of those I don't know what the hell they were watching type deals, and it's not something that's going to change, right? I, I would be interested to see what the next change in judging will be because I don't think what we have now is what's going to be set in stone for the next 20 years I, I think there will be an adjustment i just am interested to see what that adjustment is i just think there should be more leeway with the interpretation of the round i don't like the rigid nature of how it's lined out to where it's like if you get a better effective striking effective grappling yeah you win we don't even care about the two things that are below it i i really think those three things should cage control um all those three main topics should all be considered as one not one then we look at two then we look at three if one and two are close
0: as much as we want to see that change we, we could be here 20 years from now we're still going to talk about how judging is awful and and part yeah. of it also is and right. you are know, not not trying to come down judges but there are times where sometimes you wonder about their their viewpoint from where they're sitting in the cage was there maybe something that they didn't see that that maybe we saw in a different way uh i'll say this guy give a uh, kudos my guy alon cruz Tampa Zone, uh getting the win there against bobby king uh kudos there also let me ask you this so sarah man wins her bellator debut she talked about post fight she goes i'm not 22 on 42 so I, I i'm not trying to play the long game here i, I want chris cyborg next if I'm Scott Coker and you bring back Chris Cyborg, I guess that's still kind of a question mark. She's still in the part of the rankings, which is kind of interesting. Should it be Sarah Mann or Kat Zingano?
1: If I'm Scott Coker, I probably book Chris Cyborg versus Kat Zingano because I think Sarah McMahon got a better chance of beating Chris Cyborg. Yeah. And I would rather have Cyborg fight Zingano and then McMahon rather than fight <laughs> McMahon and then no longer fight again. So, look, also uh, Zingano will probably be a more entertaining fight. Um, McMahon is a much bigger threat for Cyborg. I mean, she, she, McMahon performed really good against Blanco. I mean, she she did. And she has the ability to dethrone Chris Cyborg. That is um, – it's a fight that wasn't on my radar and it's another person introduced to the featherweight mix that makes things interesting. We know Sarah's a 135-er, but still, the idea of Sarah McMahon as a challenger for Cyborg and as a challenger for uh, Kayla Harrison, it, it adds another name to the mix. And I would be more prone to pick Sarah against Cyborg than, than Kat. I think most people would. I mean, all you got to do is talk yourself into Sarah going out there and looking to take down Cyborg to win the fight. For Kat, I just don't know where that path to victory is other than surviving a barrage and coming in in the latter part of the fight with the comfort behind win because of her cardio.
0: You know, we've been talking now for a couple minutes here about what happened last week. And we haven't even touched on Sergey Pavlovich going out there and getting that first-round victory there against Curtis Blades. And uh, you you talk about MMA social media and just hilarious. I mean, how about Sergey Pavlovich just slinging the, the, uh, the slots Right before he's kicking ahead to the apex to fight like, Curtis Blades in made a
1: event, dude. That's uh, I'm here for it. I'm I'm digging Sergey a whole hell of a lot. He's just slinging some slots and then he's swinging some punches against one of the best heavyweights in the world and putting them down, bro. Pavlovich is the real deal, man. Straight up, who who just. Dis- do you believe Pavlovich provides more of a threat to John Jones than Stipe, or do you think Stipe is a bigger threat to John Jones?
0: I would say Stipe because I have a lot of questions about Sergey and the wrestling side of this game. I wonder how much of it looks kind of like way the surreal gunfight looked. Uh, you know, that's why kind of you know the game plan of of Curtis Blades really. I mean, even though we only saw three minutes of this, it just I. Don't understand what kind of the mindset was there i mean I, unless you're unless unless blaze's mindset was like i got to show the ufc that i'm not um a guy who's just going to wrestle f you for fi- you know 25 minutes i, I want to show i'm an exciting fighter but it was this clear path to go out there and win i mean look and ever since sergey lost his ufc debut against Alistair over and this guy's been on an absolute tear he's won five in uh, six in a row in the ufc all in the first round. It's just amazing, and for Curtis Blades, like you know, he's he's like I, I think he's in this position where he's still one of the best heavyweights in the game. I, I, there's not a doubt in my mind about that. But like to me, he's but he's also probably a guy that's going to knock off a lot of rising prospects.
1: Yeah, he's almost in the Bellator zone. He's almost in the Bellator zone, right? The same place that Ryan Bader and Corey Anderson found themselves. Yeah he may find himself because he's good enough to put away a lot of these dudes. But, yeah, Sergei's stand-up is just a whole different ballgame. I mean, Sergei's stand-up is very uh, – to me, it's more concerning than what Stipe can bring to Jones. But you bring up a good point. The good thing for Sergei is he was able to defend Blades' one takedown attempt in that fight. But it's not like it was Curtis's most valiant effort. He was already losing the stand-up, and it was a desperation takedown attempt. I don't know if I'm willing to grant Sergey Pavlovich All-American status quite yet. Um, I'm still excited for this dude, though. He he uh, he has great hands. I mean, just phenomenal hands with with really strong power, and he has a very aggressive approach. So I'm just all in on, on this dude, and. I don't think it would be crazy to think he can become a, a UFC heavyweight champion. I would say he's more of a threat to Jones than Stipe, largely due to the fact that I'm a big believer that Stipe is certainly a bit past his prime at this point. It is why I'm kind of gravitating more towards Pavlovich as a potential John Jones stopper, because I will say Jones and Sergey on the feet—that's a bad, that's a problem for John. Obviously, John has the ability to bring him down. But Sergey and John on the feet, I like Sergey's chances.
0: By the way, I want to give uh, some kudos to Amy Kaplan being the reporter who asked Bobby Green the question. And uh, when we talk about uh, interesting post-fight comments in a, in a post-fight press conference situation where uh, Bobby just walks off, F it, F it, I just want my money.
1: Well, he certainly let it be known. This is a guy who came in with like $50,000 in, in bills in the pre-fight press conference, and now he's concerned about money. Um, Okay, so Bobby, here's the thing. I get being emotional, but Bobby's totally wrong here. Uh, Bobby is totally in the wrong with the uh, the results. Should have been a no contest as it was in his fight against Jared Gordon, what happened was an inadvertent headbutt rocked Jared. Jared got on his back and Bobby on top, standing over him, landing strikes till the fight was over. Okay. Bobby said that Jared was throwing up a triangle choke, which shows he was still with it. That is complete BS. Sure. Jared wasn't completely knocked out after the headbutt, but he wasn't looking like Kron Gracie at ADCC there. He wasn't defending very well. And the only reason why he was down on his back like that was because of the headbutt. lord only knows how messed up he was the no contest was the only decision bobby looks like a bad sport for how he's talking but i also can't blame a guy who maybe thinks he got a first round finish and then is sudden is celebrating and then he's in the cage only to be told hey um you're not getting that win bonus and
0: that's the crappy part about mma pay is the fact of you know you're not guaranteed X amount of dollars, you know, that you're guaranteed and you're trying to, you know, as some guys say, you know, I'm not just looking for that second check. I'm looking for that third check, you know, for, for that fight of the night bonus. And, uh, I also, I will say this. I think that I understand the criticism that, that Bobby has for the commentary by Paul Felder. And I think it's, and this is, I mean, look, and it's always going to be a problem for the UFC of. We have their broadcasters that have relationships with other fighters. And it's well known the relationship that Paul Felder and, and Jared Gordon have. I, I think that's one of those situations where probably the UFC should have done a better job and, and maybe not put Paul Felder in that spot and have somebody else in that role as opposed to having Paul working that night.
1: Yeah, it would be good to, to really be on top of that, to really look at the fight card and be like, which guys shouldn't do this show? That would be nice because there is that conflict I will say this. I don't understand this whole fighting with your hands down thing. I really don't. I, I've heard people explain it. You keep your opponent guessing, yada, yada, yada. I think it's it's not great. I think it's not a great game plan. All right, how many champions have we seen do it other than an Anderson Silva? Um, I, I just, Jason, call me antiquated. But keeping your hands down, to me, isn't a great approach to the fight game.
0: I I, I would agree with you. (laughs) I mean, bro, you're (laughs) in the UFC.
1: You're in the UFC, and you're like, I'm going to do the hands down because I'm just going to keep you guessing. And I'm going to get my – like, bro, just look. You know, I I, I just – it's not rocket science. You put this in front of your face, it probably reduces the chance of something hitting you in the face.
0: I look. I think ninety nine point nine percent of coaches will agree with
1: you on that one. If you're trying to throw a punch, that's such a farther distance than like, bam. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not Brandon Gibson. Okay. I don't know uh, the striking like Jack Slack. But uh, yeah, that was my um that was my analysis of uh, Bobby Green stand up. Um, I, I I tell you, uh, I kind of thought that the finish on uh, Brad Tavares. And uh, Bruno Silva was a bit early. Okay, I, I I thought, you know, Silva dropped him, but I really felt like Tavares was defending himself as the fight was stopped. I will say that. I mean, sure, maybe the fight would have finished 15 seconds later, but it, it, that was one of those fights where I thought the stoppage was a bit early.
0: Yeah, Tavares hes one of these guys. That I just kind of wonder: is are, are we are we at the
1: end of his? UFC run uh I I feel like it's possible he didn't look too bad in his last fight but we already mentioned that he's one of the most longest tenured dudes in the in the octagon and he did look pretty bad against Bruno Silva but it also Bruno's a tough dude he's one of the heaviest hitters but yeah I mean I don't think Tavares is going to go on this magical run and, and and challenge for the uh you know middleweight championship I, I do think he's on the back nine for sure
0: yeah no, no doubt about it uh by the way uh anything else uh stick out to you about this weekend's fights
1: um okay two things on ufc the one thing that stuck out is uh is uh jeremiah wells is an incredibly powerful uh wrestler he just mm-hmm. you know took down Samelsberger, uh and that was a really good fight also um Yasmin Lucinda's is like 21 years old. She has really good stand-up uh, against Brogan Walker. And for Bellator, Bellator 295, I think it's worth mentioning that Aaron Pico looked really good. He destroyed the body of uh, James Gonzalez. Didn't get a finish, but it's worth noting it was a good performance out of Aaron Pico.
0: James Gonzalez took that fight on one week's notice and uh, Bellator has given him a, a contract. So uh, nice for him, you know, steps up and Bellator uh, rewards him with a contract. And uh, apparently, um, big John was talking about that, uh, basically Greg Jackson, that, that was their game plan with that one. They really didn't want to utilize the wrestling too much. They wanted to stick on the feed and obviously Aaron's first fight back and be interesting to kind of see what they do with Aaron Pico. I mean, I think there's a lot of ways they could, they could kind of go him with that one. Now, of course, coming up this week, you got UFC Vegas 72 and, uh, look, it's not a sexy fight card. I mean, let's, let's not kid ourselves. This one is for, I mean, if you're a hardcore, you know, UFC fan, you're going to, you're going to tune in on Saturday and watch these fights, but <laughs> Um, you know, solid main event uh, of Song Yudong and, and Ricky Simone. By the way, it is amazing to me how long Ricky has been in the UFC and people still don't know how to pronounce his name.
1: Ricky Simon? Oh, yes. Sorry. I, I can't say yeah. how
0: many times I've heard people call him Simon.
1: We should do a draft of um, fighters whose names get mispronounced the most one day. And and that that also includes by us. You know, I, and, and I, look, no,
0: no, it's got to be American fighters
1: that's true (laughs) yeah yeah but i feel like gone is something that's mispronounced and i don't even know gone is the correct way of saying it but uh yeah american fighters um because there's a lot and there's just there's a whole crap load of fighters but uh jason you hit the nail on the head you look at this fight card and you realize that they are probably gonna have to sell this is a fight card that's in front of zero fans is is what you uh, realize when you look at it you have one ranked fight yeah um yeah, I'm I'm not excited for this fight card at all, but I will be watching. Um, I will say the top fights for me that aren't the main event is, you know, the co-main event, Bralo and Oleksicuk, speaking of hard names to pronounce. Uh, Julian Arosa and Fernando Padilla, to me, is going to be a fun featherweight scrap. I'm also pretty excited to see Jake Collier back against Martin Boudet. And uh, Cody Durden and Charles Johnson, you know I love me some flyweights.
0: Look, if people have not seen The Unprofessional Breakdown by Sadiq Youssef, take five minutes out of your day and just watch that video. It is one of the funniest videos you will see all week when it comes to Mixed Martial Arts.
1: Yeah, he is. He's hilarious. And he catches you when you don't see it coming. And somehow Sadiq Youssef is like one of the most promising broadcasters. But he might have, you know... He might be on the, co- he's, he's certainly funnier than Brendan shop. How,
0: how does silhouette. the UFC not incorporate Sadiq Youssef in the broadcast? Cause like, I know if so, for people who have seen this, you're going you to know exactly what I'm talking about as he's scrolling through these fights. And so if you like right now, as we're doing a show, there's some silhouettes of some fighters over there. Like one of them is Fernando uh, Padilla, who look, if you look at that silhouette, it's Michael Bisping.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent. And then he looks at the female silhouette, and it's Ronda Rousey. Yes, I love it.
0: Yeah, he had a uh, he had a tweet. I got, I want to find it here, uh, where basically he's asked. He was asking uh, who uh, how much the the person who rings the ten second uh, bell makes. It says he wants that job.
1: Okay. <laughs> Oh my god! I feel like that guy makes zero dollars, right? Uh, I mean, I, I,
0: I would for a UFC event. I bet they make a couple hundred dollars. I would imagine. Uh,
1: I guess so. I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I've never thought about that person. Is that not just like a? Uh, is that just not like the odd man out? Like the official who's not refereeing? Is he not just uh, on the side? It's a commission. Per-
0: it's a commission. It's a commission person.
1: Damn! Are they the? How many commission people are at, like, a UFC event, you think? What are the different jobs?
0: Well, you got, obviously, you have the judges, the refs. You have the inspectors. So for people to uh, inspector would be inspector, like, think of someone you, you see walking out with a fighter. That's the inspector. And the inspector basically is around the fire the whole time, you know, just making sure they're not doing anything. But then you, you have people around the cage who are, they're doing various, I'd almost say, like, administrative work in terms of the commission. So
1: like- The people who are like in the jackets, those are commission people.
0: Yeah, yeah, those are those are those are inspectors.
1: Oh, yeah. I've always wondered about. I mean, I figured they were the commission, but like, I wonder what they do in their normal nine to five at the commission, right? Are they just you know Uh, pushing papers? I would would imagine. Yeah, they
0: have some other job. I would imagine. I I can't. I can't imagine you're making enough money being a commission inspector to be your full time job.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, you can't make enough money being a UFC fighter to be your full time job. So, I mean, that's that's not a that's not a big shock. Um, but so, uh, what's up?
0: No, but I was I was just gonna go back on your point yeah. of the Arosa Fernando fight. I think is like when you talk about stylistically, that fight has got potential fight of the night candidate written all over it.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, Arosa is always an all action guy, and Fernando's a. A nice addition to the UFC, and I, I think of Rosa. What you see, you know you're gonna get the you're, you know you're gonna get the best out of out of his opponent, and it's gonna be a high caliber fight. And these fight cards tend to surprise you when you have low expectations. They tend to provide finishes, back and forth bangers. Wouldn't be shocked if Fight Night over delivers. Um, it's all about the main event, though. I mean, come on. It, it's the only good fight. Same moan and okay. song. It's a good one. I've gone back and forth on it. I, I dig it. Yeah, I mean,
0: I give the slight edge to Song Dong, but I could really see, you know, Ricky kind of grinding out a 25-minute decision. I mean, look, it's clearly... There's no reason to write a 10 reasons to watch this card or five reasons to watch this card. There truly is one reason to watch this card. It is the main event. It's a great matchup at 135 pounds. I mean, you just look at the betting odds. I think it, it tells you how close of a fight uh, you know, this one is. Um, you know, looking kind of other you know for me, the rest of the card. Uh Cody Bruns, the guy that I've been I think I I think I interviewed Cody when he was an amateur. Um, you know, taking on Rodolfo Vieira, which obviously I don't have to tell Cody here don't get into a grappling affair
1: yeah 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 i think the game plan and the, and the preparation is pretty clear for cody Brundage.
0: yeah i mean I'm, I'm not telling him anything he doesn't know i mean obviously he's got to keep that fight uh you know they're on the feet uh, you, you mentioned about that that flyweight matchup between Cody Durden and Charles Johnson. Cody Durden's kind of a guy I've I've kind of really just betted against, and the guy just keeps getting wins. Charles Johnson, a guy that I've known now uh, for a couple of years. Uh, Brian Kelher, which I want to say I saw that he know this is his last fight on his UFC contract. So um, if the fact that the UFC hasn't offered him a new deal appears, uh, that probably tells you where where it's going here uh, with Jerry Newsom. But like it's it's not an exciting fight card. It's not a fight card that gets me to say I want to stay home on Saturday, even though I'll probably be home on a Saturday watching the fights, but um, it, it's just not an exciting fight card for me.
1: No, it's a one-fight fight card. It, it is, and I'm excited for Song and Simone, but that's all about it. I, I'm going to Moan in this contest. I just love Ricky's clinch and grappling ability to go along with the stand-up. I mean, Song, to me, is the better stand-up fighter in this fight, but uh, I like Ricky over the long haul, so oh. I, I'm going with Ricky.
0: And of course uh, some other things happening in mixed martial arts.
1: what Nate else
0: Diaz is uh <laughs> is now facing charges in New Orleans. Um, well, why why do why do people want to test fighters in these public scenarios? That's that's my only question. And like the fact of Nate never throws a punch just locks him up in a choke and he just puts him on the ground.
1: I know that video was wild. You, like, see the video of Nate's got him in the guillotine choke. It pans away to the crowd, and you come back, and the dude's just looking like a, like ice out of it. And he looks ridiculous, too, because he's looking like Logan Paul. But, uh, yeah, I uh, I don't understand. I mean, look, for real, like, Nate's got to chill out. Like, I don't know what caused this fight to happen, but you are a mixed martial artist, right? You could kill most people with your bare hands. Maybe it's true self-defense. I don't know what happened. I feel like Nate's the type of guy that's not going to take crap from anybody. So even a small slight will probably lead to him putting you in a chokehold. You know, I don't know if he's someone who takes the higher road um, when someone talks some crap to him to the streets, and and that's what makes Nate and Nick Diaz some badass dudes. But uh, yeah, I think um I think he's you know got himself some legal trouble, but uh if he does get some legal trouble, I know a great way he can pay it off. And that's by fighting Logan Paul. I mean, excuse me, Jake Paul, uh, which is what he will be doing. So, um, you know, the second biggest boxing match of the year behind Ryan Garcia and Gervonta Davis coming up. Yeah.
0: Uh, another thing I I didn't mention this in the rundown, but this article I saw earlier today over on MMA fighting the 2023 MMA draft, which 35 fighters would you build a promotion around? So, Uh, The first pick, which was uh, a pick made by BKFC. No shocker, Conor McGregor. I mean, (laughs) no shocker. One championship, the first pick, John Jones. Okay. PFL was up next. I don't think I would go with this as the third overall pick to build a promotion around because I, I kind of, I wonder about this fighter's marketability. Francis
1: Ngannou. That is not what I would pick
0: number three. Um, but and just you know, by the by way, the fourth pick was Bellator going Alexander Volkanovsky.
1: I could see that. I would, I would say, I would put Adam Sanya over Volkan and Gandu though.
0: Yeah. So then the UFC got the last pick in the first round. And once again, incredibly talented fighter. I just don't know if it's a fighter that gets fans truly excited, you know, to sit, you know, to to fork over eighty dollars. Islam chef.
1: Well, I think at some point you gotta you gotta go with Islam, right? Like he isn't the most marketable fighter, but he might actually be the best fighter on the planet. He doesn't have that case yet, but with a couple more lightweight championship wins, which isn't an unrealistic thing to expect. Islam may very well be the best fighter in the world. But he yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. But at this point you're either looking at Islam or Brandon Morano or Aljo or Leon or Sehudo or Yuri. Um
0: You're missing those it. are kind you're, of you're the fighters.
1: Name. Uh who, Kayla Harrison, uh, Nunez, uh uh Who am I missing? Hamzat Shamayev. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That's hum, a, by the way,
0: Hamza went in in the second round of their of their draft.
1: Yeah, and he's got the most upward trajectory. It it's not crazy to expect him to, to get a championship around his waist and you know, you look at you know you look at Amaga Madoff and Bellator, I mean that's another name you gotta think of. AJ McKee is another name you gotta think of. You know, Kayla Harrison does have that name value. At what point do you take Max Holloway? Um I wonder who are some of those like not top five fighters you would look at that could eventually become a, a champion. Who are those names you're looking at?
0: Yeah, I mean, like, look, I when I start thinking of like down the line, I just, I'm just gonna pull up the UFC rankings and, and say some names that maybe stick out to me. Uh, I just have, well, I'm just, having right, like, look. okay. I'm, I'm looking at 145. How about Ilya Teporia?
1: Yeah. Oh, well, would, would you pick Teporia above or behind Bo Nickel? below yeah because bo nickel's gonna go high right that guy's got like jackpot upside you know oh oh who do you pick first bo nickel or patty Pimblett? that's like the ultimate battle of name value versus talent level (sighs) that's a tough one ain't it
0: i think i lean bo because I have I I wonder about when Patty doesn't have the right stylistic matchup of how he fares.
1: I think it's a tough one. I don't think Patty's gonna fare that well in the long term UFC run. But I do know with Patty, he's gonna give me big business for his next two to three fights. With Bo Nickel, there's still that uh, like that question mark of, well, what happens if he gets exposed? Patty's the way, a more sure thing.
0: Did you see the the headline with Patty Pimble this week?
1: No, I did not. What happened?
0: This is over at BJPin.com. Patty Pimble snubs idea of rekindling friendship with Ariel Hawane. Quote, he tried to ruin my career.
1: Damn. Damn. <laughs> I feel like he's kind of misremembering what happened. <laughs> like, but like, look, like
0: this, this is a note to every fighter out there. This version of Ari Helwani, as the kids like to say, he keeps them receipts.
1: Yep. And he doesn't, he doesn't care, bro. He is willing to, to I mean, who's, yeah, who, who, and I enjoyed this version of Ariel. It's fun. It, it's mm-hmm. fun. I mean, it is. A, he keeps the receipts. He did He did win 10-8 against Patty Pimblett, no matter what the judging criteria was. But, uh, yeah.
0: I'll give you another interesting name. If like you were going to make a bet on someone who could potentially become a superstar in the sport, it's a guy who fights next month in a UFC main event, Jolton Almeida.
1: Yeah. He's really performed well. Who's he, Who's he going up against in that main event?
0: Uh, Rosenstruck.
1: Ooh, oh damn! You know what we didn't do, which we should have done. Maybe we will just have to do it next week. What's that? We, I think we can still do it next week. We, next week we got to draft our fights.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, we could do that. Plus, yeah. we, we're, I, I, I'm I don't yeah. think we had it. I'm, I'm actually something wrong. in Simone have been on our list from last month. So uh, ne- yeah. next week we got We got to revisit our, yeah. our our draft from the month of April.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, we'll do next week. I'll do a, a better job of cataloging our picks. We can look, look through it, but next week, let's not forget. Let's uh, let's draft the fights of May. Cause there's some good ones, right? We got Muhammad and, and um, Burns recently added that pay-per-view. Now that pay-per-view looks a lot better yeah. after having lost the Oliveira Vera fight, phenomenal replacement. I think the month of May is going to be a good one. And then obviously, you know, Man, you get excited about UFC 290. Man, those pay per views, they just keep on coming. They make up for some of these fight nights that are pretty lackluster. By the
0: way, you got to mention um, if you're a mixed martial arts fan or a combat sports fan living in the Denver area, you got back to back weeks here. You got BKFC coming up uh, this Saturday. Then next week, you've got the DJ, um, the one championship debut in the U.S. Of course, uh, Mike Perry, Luke Rockhold headlining Saturday's BKFC. And you kind of forget the fact that Eddie Alvarez is now in BKFC.
1: Yeah, you do forget about it. Uh, BKFC is like the place where dudes go and you kind of forget about them, but they're still around.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, you look over there. Of course, he's taking on Chad Mendes in in the co-main event. Beck Rawlings uh, is a part of this fight. She's fighting for the flyweight title. Uh, Of course, Ben Rothwell, he's taking on Josh Copeland. Of course, Copeland fighting the the world series of fighting chris Kamozzi's taking on dan spoon a part of this fight card, so i mean there there are some names brandon gertz the former bellator a lightweight he's a part of this card as well i mean there, there's a lot of names on these undercards and that you would people would recognize and the reality is is bkfc is paying they're paying decent money to these fighters and that's why you're seeing so many mma fighters you know go over to BKFCs just because they're going where the money's at
1: yeah man it's crazy to think about Chad mendez Right. Like he's just now he's just a BKFC fighter. But I mean, literally his last loss was to Alexander Volkanovsky. You know, it, he he was still a high level fighter. Obviously, he had to deal with the suspension uh before that. But yeah, good for them. They get their paydays. But it is kind of sad because it would have been fun to see some of these names in the PFL, in Bellator. It would have added some more fat to these weight classes as an MMA consumer. I'm just not a consumer of bare-knuckle boxing, so these guys, I'm just not watching their content other than the shenanigans in in the pre-fight situations. But, uh, yeah, I really don't like Luke Rockhold's chances against Mike Perry in this one. I I really feel like Mike's going to have his way with him in the the boxing matchup, just remembering the way Luke looked in his last UFC fight.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I don't know how... How you could pick Luke Rockhold at this stage in his career, just based on what we've seen with him, and you know the—I mean, God, I mean, I can remember the Luke of Strike Force and early on in, in the UFC run, and I mean, you just never know when the downside of a fire career is going to happen. But man, it's happened with Luke Rockhold. I mean, look, I, I hope he he can turn that thing around, but there's nothing I've seen on film that makes me think he's going to turn it around.
1: No, it's not. It's not. But I guess Colorado's the fight capital of the world, man. You know, nice place to live, to watch them fight, to smoke some weed. <laughs> <laughs> you know.
0: Uh, yeah, it, it, you could you could say it's um, a quality place if you want to go out there and um,
1: partake. I don't partake. I don't partake in the Mary, Mary Jane. Um, I don't partake in it, but I don't judge anyone who does. For my new job, I got a drug test and. It was the day before 420, which I'm sure was fortunate for whoever else was taking a drug test. See, that makes me think
0: about like, could you imagine if you are the drug testing facility and these people are coming in on 419 or four or if you come, they come in on on April 21st. What are some of those looks they get?
1: Yeah, you might as well just close the drugstore that day. Yeah. Yeah, that's one way that job can really screw over the pothead employee they don't like. Is be like, "Oh, we have a random drug test on April twenty first. Come pee in this cup." Yeah, which yeah, it's crazy. But, I guess
0: uh, I'm. I, 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 I guess I, you know, I, I live in a world where I just like I really worry about someone testing positive for marijuana.
1: Yeah, I mean it. Yeah, it's it seems a bit antiquated. It really does. But yeah. yeah,
0: it's not a big deal in my world, but I'm sure in other people's world. Yeah, I guess it probably would be a big deal. But for me.
1: Yeah, I feel I feel like for most people, they, it's generally accepted. I, I, I really do think so. I mean,
0: <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story in terms of, you know, so we're at this rooftop bar last Saturday night and I see this dude who's probably probably, probably about five or 10 years older than me. Pulls out a vape and he's trying to be all slick about it, covering it up, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, he's smoking a pot. He's vaping pot, <laughs>
1: like,
0: yeah, dude. Like no one cares."
1: Yeah, that's hilarious. You being slick about it makes it so obvious, right? You're not fooling anybody. Just hit, just, just hit the pen,
0: and don't worry. And no one's gonna like oh, literally, no one's gonna say anything.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you gonna get? You know, it's Florida.
0: Right. Dude, dude, I, just, I remember. I, I think it was like Saturday. I walked outside the hotel. I was like, "I know what that room is.
1: <laughs> that ain't a skunk. <laughs>
0: no,
1: that ain't man. a skunk."
0: Nah, nah. Yeah. And, and also, the one thing that makes you miss about being in College Town is how cheap it is to drink.
1: How how cheap was it, bro?
0: We went to one place. I was getting Stella's for two fifty.
1: Oh my gosh exactly that,
0: that's
1: amazing yeah what yeah. Is it? yeah it sounds like you went back to 1950 yeah uh yeah i can't can't get a beer under four dollars you know out of place oh no
0: you, you usually i'm going out drinking stella i mean low end six bucks for a pint
1: yeah yeah ufc ticket pricing right there buddy
0: yeah i mean that, that's just i mean but yeah I went went to fsu baseball game that was fun
1: oh yeah did they win uh, they lost four to three. Oh, FSU hey, baseball team game. is not.
0: They are they are not very good. Let's just say that.
1: Yeah, bro, you should be. Uh, yeah, if you want to watch a baseball team that wins, you just got to go to Tampa. Got to watch a Rays home game. I mean, they are they are unbelievable. You know.
0: Yeah, they're pretty, yeah. Well, they're they're beating up on the lower half of the league. Let's just let's call it what it is. They ha- they I haven't know, but... started taking on some of the uh, more uh, talented teams in Major League Baseball. But yeah, I I can't watch uh, the Rays play because. Uh, I don't have that access Lock to up. Valley Sports.
1: Damn, it's messed up. Yeah, it's I mean, the up, only Jason. time
0: I only time I see the race play is you know if I'm out you know on a Friday or Saturday night or um, if it's a national TV game. But yeah, that's yeah.
1: They're having the greatest start in the franchise's history, and you're missing out. Well, hopefully, hopefully your lightning can turn things around. It looks like my yeah. yellow stars are. You know, I know you guys were down three one. Right? Yeah, right. yeah.
0: I mean, we we were up four. What was it? Four one yesterday, and then losing.
1: Yeah. And it yeah, just it tough. went downhill fast. Yeah. But I mean, I'll yeah, say
0: man. There's just there's playoff hockey. It's just it's so good. It's so good.
1: Yeah, yeah. and like, honestly, I, you I, guys I, have had enough success.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm I'm much more a basketball fan than I am a hockey fan, but yeah, um, yeah, playoff hockey. It's there's nothing like it.
1: Yeah, I think so far playoff hockey has beaten playoff basketball. The games have been a little bit better, you know. In the NBA, we've had a pretty good Kings and Warriors series. I mean,
0: can can we not get? Do we need to bring in some uh, MMA referees to show these uh, NBA referees how to deal with groin shots?
1: Dude, how many effing groin shots have there been? There's been like five. (laughs) That's not even an exaggeration. There's literally been James Harden, Joel Embiid, Dylan Brooks draymond i think was involved in two situations what's going on with these guys man do they need to wear the iron cup that joe rogan loves so much
0: i feel like that's you know since we we don't, we only get joe rogan you know you know what 10 times a year probably at this point yeah. with ufc pay reviews i mean good lord it's like there was a time where if you said the joe rogan drinking game the what was it what was it the tie cup we kept talking about
1: it was the Muay Thai cup the yeah. Muay Thai cup it was metal and it would you break your foot if you kicked it so people wouldn't kick it ridiculous
0: yeah there there's there's so many yeah i mean yeah,
1: there's, there's got to so be
0: there has got to be someone on a listening audience that could come up with the ufc pay-per-view drinking game
1: yeah like free, the free- take,
0: take a shot every time joe rogan acts like the uh, the fight's over the submission's over and then the guy gets out of the submission
1: Take a shot every time. Dominic Cruz is passively aggressively pissed off at the officials.
0: I feel like, I feel like we have not had much Dominic Cruz on the UFC broadcast over the past couple
1: months. Yeah, but he was on the show this past week, right?
0: Yeah, but it just yeah, it, yeah. it feels like he's just not a big part of the continual rotation. I mean, I think it's it, it's it's pretty clear to me. It's D. It's it goes DC Bisbing felder Felder. cruz
1: yeah totally totally that's the hierarchy for sure i mean cruz is at a point where i was hearing him and i was wondering who it was for a moment on the show i almost thought it was randy couture he kind of sounds like randy a little bit just a little bit i mean obviously they look completely different but uh yeah dominant cruz is very very ornery he gets very pissed off real quick at things he doesn't like seeing happen. Like, I can't even remember what it was this past Saturday, but something was pissing him off, and he wasn't having it. Oh, okay. oh, oh, this is what it was. Um, some it was a it was one of the women's fights, and uh she put her toes in the cage, and the referee was like, get your toes out of the cage, and Dominic Cruz was like all pissed off. He's like, What do you mean, get your toes out of the cage? What do you want to be? Flat footed? Like, yeah, I was like. I don't know. It
0: is it I is a part of the Dom. rules. You can't curl your toes up in the cage. I mean, that is part he, of the rule set.
1: I know, but Dom was like made it seem like um it's impossible to not put your toes in the cage and, and he was disgusted at the warning. That's how I that's how I interpreted what what happened there. But yeah. yeah.
0: It, it, to me the weirdest combination on the UFC broadcast is when it's Bisbee and Cruz. And I just feel like Cruz just does not like the the joyous one-liners that Bisping tends to throw out there.
1: Yeah, like the way that Laura Senko came in and, and jived with Bisping, Dom doesn't. I mean, Dom really is a Paul Felder guy. I think that's the best combo is Paul Felder can kind of keep it straight with him, with the minor joking. But yeah, everyone else kind of jokes around except Dom.
0: Yeah, like, look, I don't I don't listen to his podcast frequently, but when I do, I've, I always enjoy listening to Bisping's podcast.
1: Oh, yeah, he's great. I, I enjoy his YouTube videos. I mean, him and Chael both have really good YouTube channels. Chael, Chael is really good at his. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I'm a Michael Bisping guy. If we had to do a draft on the uh, UFC commentary teams or MMA commentary teams, I would seriously consider Bisping as my number one overall pick.
0: Oh, he'd be my number one pick. Oh. Yeah. there's, there's, I just, like, to me, he, he, he makes the broadcast entertaining. Like, Obviously, you want that that color commentary where he can explain, "Hey, what's happening?" But I just feel Bisping does a great job of giving you that. You know, hey, here's what's happening, but he's also giving us some comedy. You know, I, yeah. I want to sit there and you know if I'm sitting on my couch on, on a Saturday night, you know, I want to be entertained, not just entertained with the fights, but entertain me with the uh, the commentary.
1: Yeah, he's really got the best of everything: the fight IQ, the comedy. He knows when to step back too. I never, ever hear Michael step on a play-by-play's big moments. You know, that's one of DC's biggest problems is he does that. Mm -hmm.
0: I'm not Uh, not a big fan of the DC and Rogan combination. I'm just not.
1: Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I I, I agree with you. I think they're better when Rogan's not on there.
0: I'm surprised they have not done some type of alternate broadcast with Rogan.
1: Yeah, I mean, Joe Rogan does have the Joe Rogan cast, which is them just watching the fight, the fight companion. But I agree with you. I, I think if Joe ever does retire, they can just do that. They'll have a big viewership. You know, Joe Rogan, Eddie Bravo, Joe Rogan and whomever. I
0: mean, even if the UFC offers some type of alternate broadcast, I think I, depending on who it is, I might be more intrigued to watch that than the, the normal broadcasts.
1: I certainly would for fight nights. There are so many fight nights each and every week that are, you know, the, the one like Song and Simone. I if I had the option, I would maybe be interested in alternate broadcast yeah. to spice things up a little bit as I'm getting through the dredges of this prelim and main card.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, I I just think this Saturday is an example of we're doing some fights,
1: just doing some damn fights. Well, as, I mean, uh, it's
0: like, I mean, there's been a lot of criticism over you know some matches that have been made, like you know the, the Strickland um, um, Magomed fight card it's like if you need an example of we're doing too many fight cards i think that's an example of we're doing too many fight cards
1: yeah yeah but it's just it's a demand every single week there has to be a fight card because they have to supply the demand they they have to supply the deal they made at the espn the content deal it's just content 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 put the fights out there we'll worry about it later and yeah you look at strickland that fight card, I'm not sure about that one, my man. You know, Sean Strickland versus Abu Sipian Magomedov. Oh, God.
0: Uh, when, when I saw that, I was like, really? That's the main event? Okay. How many? Um...
1: Oh, he's got one UFC fight.
0: Yeah, he's got one UFC fight. Before that, wasn't he like one in three in his previous four or something like that?
1: No, no, I'm talking about Magomadoff.
0: Yeah, the guy's fighting Strickland.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, he in his in his last four he's three and one. Okay. But, but in that his should, last that, that should not be a main event.
0: I'm sorry. That should not be yeah. a main event.
1: He does have a win over Sadabu C, so you know, watch out, Jason. Watch out. Watch out. You know. I know
0: I know you're the president of the Sabadu C fan club.
1: You know, I'm starting to join after he got a finish. I'm starting to see the light on Sadabu. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, this was this was this is a lame this is a lame week for MMA. I'll be real with you guys, but next week it's going to be a lot better. We got a I USC think... pay per view. Hey, Aljo talks songs, on
0: Yeah, Aljo and and mm-hmm.
1: I'm interested. I'm interested
0: to see what Cejudo says leading up to this fight. I think that's going to be very
1: interesting. I'm interested to see what Cejudo looks like on the scale. I'm interested to see what he looks like on the scale. That's always been a problem. And I know he's going to be at 135, but I still think it might be a problem for him. It might not be. It's a lot of time off. hudo does always say interesting things. I think we're going to have a lot of great conversations leading up to the fight.
0: Yeah, and, sure. and, and so you mentioned the blow Muhammad and go Burns matchup that, that's a great matchup great addition to I mean let's just be honest about it it was a fight card that needed something to be added to give a little meat there on the bone but we'll talk about that next week here on the podcast uh, I will have a podcast on Sunday I'm going to get that one out for you uh, of course as always appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode of the podcast of course it comes out two times a week right here on the MMA report YouTube channel and on your pot, favorite podcasting platform